Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You may be seated. So how, how are you doing this morning? Wow. I was just um, very overwhelmed as I woke up this morning. And uh, it's a very special day for me because exactly one year ago today, I had just arrived back from the Middle East. And I still remember I had landed in New York City. And I got a call and a text. Just to give a little background here, my uh, spiritual father... In uh, December of 1999, I had something called a baptism of love, where the liquid love of Papa God came over this Norwegian Viking. <laughs> and uh, I, went, I went from being an orphan to becoming a beloved son. And uh, it just changed my life. It was a starting point. It was a seed of love that started to grow on the inside. And wow, but so, something changed in my life, and Papa God became my father. And it changed in my relationship before what I was doing. I looked at Islam as a problem, but after this encounter, it was a promise. I, I, you're getting some new lenses. I call it the sunglasses. The way you're seeing the Father's face and hearing the Father's voice and feeling the Father's love. You don't have to look for love in the wrong places when you're living fully loved. And when you have the affirmation of the Father, you don't need the affirmation anywhere else. It is, it is okay, but you've already been affirmed by the Father. You have an A plus before you take the exam. But the other gift that God gave me, he gave me a spiritual father where I got to practice here on earth. His name was Jack Taylor. I call him Papa Jack. So that was uh, 21 some years ago. And what I learned is that I wake up in the morning and I, I, I reflect myself as a son because a son with a dove. And uh, all I want to do is what I see my father do. And I want to say what I hear my father say. But then also with Papa Jack, intentionally, pretty much every single day, I called him. And we leaned hard. We did vacations together. We did everything together. He was part of our family. And uh, he also traveled with me all over the world. Or I traveled with him. I just didn't want to do life without a father. Because for me, my sonship had to go before my apostleship or leadership or stewardship or friendship or any other ships. Because if not, you have shipwreck. And I had shipwreck where all my ship sank. And the only one to survive was a tiny little boat called Sunship. And that's where the dove was resting. So when I came from that, I didn't have any option. I knew that if I was going to do what God has called me to do, I needed to be a son. And so Papa Jack, he was just so gracious with me, having a father in my life. And I woke up in the morning, usually calling, and we just talked. We just did life together. We became best friends. So I'm saying that when I landed and in New York, I got a call from Mama Frida and my wife, Jennifer, and they said, you need to hurry home. And I hadn't in the Middle East had access to my phone and found out that he was in the hospital. So today, a year ago today, I landed and in Melbourne, Florida, and I was there at the hospital. And I was just fighting for my father's life. And it was during COVID-19, only one person was allowed to be in the hospital room at the time. So uh, 
and you had to be outside the hospital in the Florida heat because of the rules and regulations. So Mama Frida went in, and she came back saddened, and she says, you have about 30 minutes uh, because his son Tim and Tammy are coming later, and you can go up and see him. And, and I was there, and he had his wires, and he was on, uh, on all these machines, and they were just, I was tapping him and kissing him and says, Papa, Papa, you're going to live and not die, and I was just fighting for his life. And I'd seen it several times before where we saw resurrection power when he had been in struggles. And I was sure that I was going to be able to have my father with me. And eventually he, he didn't, he was not able to operate the medicine and everything else. And I was so sad that I didn't get the opportunity to say goodbye. And later on, about three o'clock in the afternoon, again, I had a new opportunity, 30 more minutes into the hospital, my last chance. And finally I tapped Papa Jack on his cheeks again. And I said, Papa, Papa. Can you hear me, Papa? And just about 30 minutes, I was just loving it. And suddenly he opened up his eye. And I actually took my phone with me right away because I realized when there's the last words that somebody says, you better listen to it. And I knew that Jesus' last word before he went home, that is his last command is my first priority. I say his last command is my, last, my, my first priority. So in this journey, then Papa Jack said, Son, son, welcome home. Uh, uh, I've been praying for you. And I just lost it. I just wept because he had, he remembered what, who I was, but he also knew where I had just been at. And he was my intercessor, always prayed for me. And after the next moment, I said, Papa, Papa, I thought he is coming back now. And I said, Papa, what is your favorite sermon? He said, Moses, Moses and the rod. Son, lay it down. And that was the last words he spoke before he died. And this is the message. This is Papa Jack's message. I've actually had the honor of preaching it for 16 years. But it became different after this occasion. It was his life message. And, and I've had the honor of, of having this rod with me. And it's a very special rod. But I want us just to open up a Bible to make this meeting legal. I was in a church where I quoted, I think I did it three cheers, and I quoted, I think it was 141 scripture verses in his sermon. I just scripture after scripture, but one person was so offended, he went on Facebook. Am I the only one being offended? He didn't open up the Bible one single time. <laughs> and, and someone said, well, he quoted it. I didn't know how many times I quoted, but he quoted 141 times. So, so I make sure we open up the Bible to make sure that everybody's happy. <laughs> So if you can look at Joshua, I just feel I have a word of the Lord. And this is also connected to Papa Jack. Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary where he went to heaven at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I have the honor of having Frida, his wife. We are, as a family, taking care of her. And she's with us there in Atlanta. But I feel there's something for this church, for this house. It is a holy message for me. But I sense there's something that God wants to deposit and impart. And the reason I have the three cheers, because again, for some of you who were here, you will have a visualization on this message. And you will know the difference between the cheers when I'm describing the word of the Lord. But if you look at Joshua chapter 21, verse 43. Joshua, and this is one of these scripture verses that makes me jealous. I have a couple of scripture verses in the Old Testament when I realize they have a lesser covenant than us. But when I'm reading that, another one is at 1 Kings 5.4, where it says there was rest on all sides and there was no adversary and not one evil occurrence. 
And that was Solomon that David had paid a price so that Solomon could play. So you could see there, and Solomon experiencing Jerusalem, a time where there's such a shalom, that if you were crossing into Jerusalem, there was rest on all sides, and there was not any adversary and not one evil occurrence. Like, could you imagine I'm coming into Minneapolis, all chronic pain is gone. There's no divorce, there's no addiction, because when you're coming inside this line, in a covenant lesser than us, there is rest on all sides, and there is no adversary and not one evil occurrence. I mean, those things make me jealous when the covenant is lesser than what we have. I mean, and this is the second one of those. And then we're going to kind of go through the journey that has here. And it says, so the Lord gave to Israel all, say all, all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and they dwelled in it. And the Lord gave them rest, say rest, all around, say all around according to all that he had sworn to his fathers. And not the man of all their enemies stood against them. And not the man of all their enemies stood against them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies, say all their enemies, into their hands. Not the word failed, say not the word failed. Not one word failed of anything that the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. Say, all came to pass. Say, all came to pass. How many of you would like to experience in that where all the words that God has spoken is coming to pass? Coming into a place where there was rest all around, where the enemy couldn't stand. And this is kind of a challenge in me. Now we started with the ending in itself, and then we're going to look a little bit at the process. Today, I'm going to take you into the school of radiology. I was actually doing a conference in Canada, and I was ministering, actually, our friends, John Arnott. I think Benny Hinn was there. There were some people, and, and I came in at the second day and was going to speak, and uh, the leader says, there's this famous doctor in Canada. He is right up here, and you're going to sit by the side of him. I just want you to be aware he is like an honored guest. And I was like, wow, this is going to be exciting. And, and as I sat by the side of this well-known doctor in Canada, he, he introduced himself, and my, my name is Dr. So-and-so. And I said, well, my name is Dr. Leif, Dr. Leif Hetland. And he looked at me, okay, what kind of a doctor are you? He asked me. Well, I said, well, my, my doctor is in radiology. And he said, where are you from? You have this strange accent. <laughs> oh, I said, I am from Norway. And he said, well, in English, we say radiology. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know anything about radiology, but I know about radiology. <laughs> the logic of the rod. <laughs> Anyway, so later on when I preached the message, I gave him a couple of looks and he was like, oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> but let us just go back and look at this journey because I really felt this whole thing in my spirit where it was this cry and a call and God himself says, let my people go. So if we're taking on this journey, I just felt this thing where God is feeling that to some degree, let me just use in my chairs if you were here, to some degree, God's people were supposed to be in chair one, be head and not tail. But now because of their disobedience, they had ended up in chair three and God had enough. He wanted to take them out of Egypt and bring them into chair number one, into their promised land. And then you see there in Joshua, they had ended into the promised land. And I want you to know the promised land is not when you get to heaven. 
Uh, how do I know that? Because there were seven nations nation greater than himself they had to throw out. In heaven, there's not going to be seven nations greater. And there was 31 kings that they had to take before they got the promised land. The promised land was given, but then they had to take what has been given. It was a promise to be received, but they had to occupy it and learn how to steward it. I want us just to capture, because I'm dreaming about something. I'm dreaming for this Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Could this be a place where we're able to see a prototype of what God wants it to look like, what a healthy kingdom family looks like. So my journey here, here we have, in the middle of what God is doing, and let me just using a couple of things here. If you can recognize what the enemy is doing, why is it that the enemy comes in when he recognizes God is about to do something and he is trying to kill the baby boys? Why is it that there's an attack about the baby in the mother's womb? Why is there an attack on family? Why is there an attack on gender? Why is all those attacks? Because of what God is doing. So when the enemy is recognized what God is doing, that's what you saw. So the enemy is trying to kill and stop a whole generation because he knows there is a deliverer about to show up. And for us as God's people, don't be distracted by what God is not doing, but recognize what God is doing. Don't be overwhelmed by what the enemy is doing. Be overwhelmed by what God is doing. And so right in the middle of this journey, here God is deciding to raise up a Moses. So here mama, mama hears the story. All baby boys is about to be killed. Similar when Jesus was about to show up, let's kill the baby boys. Why? The enemy is recognizing what God is doing. And you can follow this pattern when you see all these different news. And you don't get overwhelmed by the news. Tap into the good news of what God is up to and join him. Stop asking God to bless what you are doing when you get to do what God is blessing. So here in the middle of this journey, and just going to try to fast forward, a little, fast forward a little bit. So Miriam, she sees this baby boy, and somebody's going to come to kill him. So she puts the baby boy in the Nile, and, and she's going to save his life, and he's floating down. And there is a princess, ah, baby boy. She picks up the baby boy, and let me just stop here for a moment. Sometimes I almost feel sorry for the devil, almost. One time I almost prayed. I said, almost prayed for the devil. I was like, I feel I need to pray for him. Because it seems like every time the enemy is attacking me one area, God gives me an upgrade. <laughs> Including what you saw in the video. They burned down over 200 Christian homes. And they were attacking our families. They were raping people. But a byproduct, we got a cricket stadium. And 87,000 names was added to the Lamb's Book of Life. So if the enemy hadn't attacked, we wouldn't have the upgrade. That's why you consider a joy when these trials come against you, because it leads to upgrades. So here the enemy is trying to kill the baby boys, and guess what's happened? Pharaoh himself, who is the very vehicle that the devil is using to trying to stop destiny. The Pharaoh himself, as I'm saying now, the princess is coming home with a baby boy, and guess where he ends up? In the palace with Pharaoh. So here he's trying to kill destiny, and destiny ends up in his home. And guess who has to pay for the diaper bills? Pharaoh. Who pays for the education? Pharaoh. And then for the next 40 years, Moses is there in Egypt, learning everything that is needed about the Egyptian system. 
He learns about the language. He knows about the culture. He knows about the economy. He knows everything about the kingdom of darkness there is to know. And then that's the good news and it is the bad news. The good news, after 40 years, we're about to ordain him. He is qualified. Say qualified. qualified. So after 40 years, he's about to start his ministry. And then something is being recognized. He recognized that his own people are being suffered. And he hadn't noticed that before. And in one moment, as they're saying, he kills an Egyptian. Do you remember that story? And the next day they're saying, are you going to do to us when two of his brothers are fighting like you did to the Egyptian? And then fear comes in. And for the next 40 years, he ends up in the wilderness. Say wilderness. wilderness. And so why he is there in the wilderness, if you ask Moses, a little earlier, Moses, who are you? And he was coming in, I'm part of royalty, I'm part of the family, I got a doctor degree in radiology. He has everything. So here he is, wow, qualify, say qualify. And he's about to start it, he's getting ordained after 40 years. But God cannot use qualified people, he has to disqualify you. After 40 years, he could do it all. But the next 40 years, he doesn't know how to do anything. After 40 years, if you ask him now after the 40 years in the wilderness, who are you? First he stutter. Ah, oh, shepherd. Ah, oh, so you are a shepherd. What do you do? Take care of sheep. And then I got this rod, and it's been with me, and it's been carved. You can see carving and this is my identity. This is my protection. This is my provision. It's been with me for 40 years. This is my retirement. Moses, uh, I want you to lay it down. But, 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 but God, you don't understand. And so we can see kind of this pattern after 40 years in the wilderness. For 40 years, he became qualified. Then it took another 40 years for him to be disqualified. Now God comes in and says, I can use you. And then we're about to start the school of radiology. <laughs> so here he comes in and, and he did the stutter. I don't know how to do anything. And, and then eventually God says now, and we know the burning bush experience. We go through Exodus 3. I'm just giving you a couple of highlights. And then you're coming into this one point where God again over and over is emphasizing the calling. And Moses comes up. He has five excuses that you can read in the text. And eventually God comes in and just, what, what, what do I tell Pharaoh? What do I tell the people? Just tell them that I am have sent you. If I were Moses, I would say, God, that's not very good grammar. <laughs> I'm, I'm Norwegian. English is my second language. But if I go to the president of Pakistan and he said, who are you and why are you here? I am have sent me. That's what it is. God says, I am. But if you capture this, you capture everything. I am that I am. I am your healer. I am your strength. I am your wisdom. I am your joy. Whatever you need. I am, I am, I am. I am have sent you. I am that I am. That's covenant. And the only response back for God's people is, you are. Say you are. You are my healer. You are my strength. You are my joy. You are my peace. You are, you are, you are. And the environment will say, he is. When you capture that God says that I am in every situation in your life, and your only response back is you are worship and getting overwhelmed by him, the environment will start to change and the world around you will say, he is, he is a healer. They will start to tweet, he is a good God. And before you know it, the environment will start to change in the region. 
Be careful, this kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. <laughs> Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 and 5. And then we're adding verse 17 and 18. And I will land this in a little bit. We have a long landing field, so just. <laughs> then you get into Exodus 4. This is Papa Jack's verses. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me. Or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, say that with me. What is that in your hand? Say that with me. One more time. He said, a rod. And God said, and he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. He cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it, reached, and then God said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out, and he caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, so that they may believe, so that Minneapolis will believe, so that America will believe, so that the world will believe that the God, this is covenant again, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, excuse me, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then in verse 17, it talks about with this rod, Moses took his, yeah, first in verse 17, and you shall take this rod in your hand, which you shall do signs. And in verse 20, Moses took his wife and his son, set them on a donkey, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. So just follow me a little bit fast right now. So here we are in a situation. Moses himself, because listen, it took 40 years to get Moses out of Egypt, but it took another 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. Then God could begin, and he said, now, what do you have in your hand? I, I got a rod. I, I got a ministry, and this is what started when Papa Jack first shared this with me 16 years ago. I was going through a crisis experience in my life, and he said, son, in this season, you're going to learn how to hold a rod, lay down a rod, and pick up a rod. But if you pick it up too early, it's going to be a serpent. So what do you have in your hand? Papa... Papa Jack, I got this ministry, and it's all over the world right now, and it's a lot of lay it down. But God, lay it down. But we've got this church, lay it down. Is it your church or my church? Is it your ministry or my ministry? But, but God, you, you gave it to lay it down. And I went through a season until it was six months with every single thing. You were just laying it down. And I didn't know, and I want you to know here's principle number two. You do not know if there's any serpentine nature, poisonous in nature of what God has given you until you lay it down. Could I say that one more time? We do not even realize because deception is very deceiving. We do not realize if there's any poisonous nature in what God has given us until we lay it down. When he laid it down, it becomes a serpent. It makes that sound hiss. Say hiss. So when you lay it down, the, the, all the hiss needs to go out so all of hiss can come in. Let me say that again. All the hiss needs to go out so hiss can come in. And then he said, when you pick it up, pick it up after the tail. And when he picked it up after the tail, it becomes a rod. But it becomes God's rod. God's ability. God's power. God's authority, 
God's presence, Pastor Lynn, his peace, his shalom. And as long as we're holding up the rod of God, the environment is going to change. Light is going to penetrate darkness. Love is going to penetrate fear. But what God is doing in this season, what do you have in your hand? Well, I got this son. I got this health issue. I got this business. And God in his graciousness and his love in this season. Why is this the last words of Papa Jack? He says, son, Moses and the rod, lay it down. That was his message, the last words before he died. Got it on the phone. Because I cannot forget. And I knew it was not just a message for me. It was a message for us. That God is giving us an opportunity to get an upgrade. And God is giving us an opportunity to become free. Listen, you cannot really fully be entrusted until you become free from something. You cannot totally be entrusted with something until you become free from it. And when I'm laying it on, it's in my ministry, his ministry. When I lay that down and that goes out and his comes in, there's a divine exchange. But he says also, when you pick it up, pick it up after the lesser end. I'm a Norwegian. I don't know much about serpents. I have been in Australia where they have eight of the most poisonous snakes in the world. And they were, I'm glad they were in an aquarium when I was looking around and they were pointing these things. I, I am afraid of snakes. I don't have much fear, but I don't like snakes. I need Mama Heidi to help me. <laughs> she has a stick like this also in Mozambique, and she's holding up the rod of God over Mozambique. And, and I've done that. Heidi have done that for me, and I've done it for Heidi. And I remember I was in Brazil, and she said, can you help me to hold up the rod of God right now? And I know Lynn is coming along. Let me hold up the rod of God over you. And that's what you guys have done to me and are you doing for Heidi. He's in her says, let us hold up the rod of God over you right now. Because our arms is getting tired, even doing God's work, God's way with God's power. Our arms is getting tired. And we need other people to help us to hold up the rod of God in this season. So in, in the school of radiology, so when you lay it down, you become free. And that goes out and his comes in. Fear moves out and perfect love comes in. And then when you're holding up the rod of God, and let's just take a couple of examples. And Moses then start, three million, chair three, not chair two, chair three. And then they're coming into the wilderness, chair two. And when they're coming into the wilderness, Moses have this rod and three million people, it's like herding cats, Pastor Mac. <laughs> and there's a lot of sheep bites. And they nibble and it's her. I was like, Moses is having these whiners and complainers, chair two. Three million, chair two. And yes, they are heading to chair one, but they have some issues. They've not got Egypt out of them yet. So they want to go back to this world. And it's like they're whining and complaining. And eventually Moses, Pastor Lynn, having this prayer meeting. God! There's three million of them. They're whining and complaining and they're fighting. And they want to go back. And they don't want God! And I can hear God say, excuse me, what's the problem? God, I just told you the problem. They just burned down 200 Christian homes, and God, don't you see him? What are you going to... Excuse me, what's the problem? Don't you hear me, God? What do you have in your hand? Got a rod. Oh, you got a rod. What kind of a rod is it? I got your rod. I got your presence. I got your peace. I got your provision. I got your power. I got your authority. I got you, the I am that I am. What's the problem? <laughs> God, I don't have a problem. 
you have a problem. <laughs> you know those three million people of yours? What are you going to do about them? So Moses went from chair one to chair two and back again to chair one. Because he recognized he had laid on his and picked up God's. I wish this school was over, and I have so many stories. Actually, this message saved my life six months later in a setting where 500 radicals came towards us, chanting and shouting. They felt we had blasphemed. 500, less than 60 yards away, we have guards with ropes, with guns, and my coordinator is looking at me, and they're heading towards us with his anger. And then in a moment, I remember in a second, it doesn't look good to be an ambassador of love and have mass shooting. I just... So it's like, what? and then I remember Papa Jack, what do you have? And in a moment, just in my mind, I laid on my rod. Whew, became free. And the next moment, picked up God's rod. I got your shalom. I got your peace. I got your... It was just a second I remembered a rod. And Papa Jack had just given me that word before I went on that trip. And as they came and crossed one line, heaven just, I, I wish we had a video as you could see. Heaven just like fell on them. And 500 of them just started to worship and dance. And their faces was glowing all over. And they wouldn't stop the dance like they don't do in this culture. They dance like we would do in Toronto or here. It was an extravagant worship. And I remember just opening up the Red Sea and allowing him to show up. So that saved my life that very day. And I've had a rod with me. I travel all over the world with this rod. I have it in my bag. I didn't know I was going to use it this morning. But I'm saying that very clearly speaking. And for every one of us in this season, over your marriages, over your businesses, corporately, and Lynn, when you're going there with the intercessors, we're laying down everything, all the burden, and we're picking up his blessing. We're laying down everything that needs to be laid down, but then we're picking up his and this is a daily thing. That's why I forget easily. I can be right in my room and getting a phone call, get right in chair two, being so overwhelmed. And at that moment, I pick up my rod and I lay it on whatever is going on. And then I go back into chair one and I'm picking up his ability, his power, his authority, his wisdom, his presence, his peace, his shalom, heavenu shalom, alachem. And then at that moment, it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I got him, the I am that I am. And my response back is, you are, you are. And the environment around says, he is, he is. Amen. Next situation, they're coming. Oh, God. Chair two. God, here we are again. Chair two, prayer meeting. Moses. Oh, God, is another situation. I just got the news. Somebody tweeted, and then it's on Facebook. Red Sea Army. Pharaoh seems to be in a mood swing and he has forgotten his words and he's coming to kill us on this side. In the front of us is the Red Sea and behind us is the army. Red Sea army. Prayer meeting. <laughs> Excuse me, Moses. What's your problem? I just told you. We don't have time for this radiology talk right now. <laughs> What's the problem? And what do you have in your hand. Ooh, I got a rod. Ah, you got a rod. What kind of a rod is it? I got your rod. I got your presence. I got your peace. I got your provision. I got your power. I got you. Let's see, open up. Three million people go through. Swallows it. 
the last picture, and we're going to land this in the fast school of radiology, but this is practical for your daily life. I'm helping you with a chair message on Friday to bring how do you do these tools when you don't carry three chairs. This one is put apart. One of our friends, Joseph and Heidi and I, he makes, customized this so we could travel with us and we have a little case so I can have that in my bag because there is a moment when I get in chair two and I'm getting overwhelmed by circumstances. And at that moment, I bring out my rod and I just lay it down again. Even now I'm going to Pakistan and we're doing this event that I can't talk about public here, but it's this. And uh, in the moment I'm thinking about because you need supernatural economy to do it. You can't go public and all these different things. And God is just lay it down. As soon as I feel pressure, I know it's chair two. And I know there's something I have to lay down. And I'm not talking about there's not a healthy pressure, you feel, but I'm talking about his burden is easy and his yoke is light. So he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And then he says, learn from me because I am gentle and humble or meek or lowly in heart. That's my way. That's the only time in the gospel he talks about his own heart. And I know there's something about my heart when it is heavy, it's weary, it's tired. And we get tired. I've been in a season of being tired. That's why I'm so grateful to be here. That's why I'm so grateful for other people that come and say, hey, let us hold up the rod of God. We're going to help you to hold up the rod of God. That's what I've heard from Pastor Mac and Pastor Lynn and so many of you. But I'm also here for you as a church and for the people. And I know this one, Mama Heidi, is let us help you here. I know your arms are tired. You've been battling here. And the battle of fatigue is here. But let us come and help you to hold up the rod of God over this state. Because this state is a problem. It's not the problem. And it doesn't matter who is the Pharaoh, and that's not the issue. Is God is raising up some Moses or some deliverer that's going to help to take his people out. I don't know if you're getting it, but let my people out. There's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, 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 suddenly there's a generational God, and we have grandmas and grandpas, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. You have three generations, and you're going to see change to this nation. So here's the last pitch, and then I'm landing this. Is this okay? I know. So here's one more picture that I saw, and that is even doing God's work, God's way, and God's power, including, I know what Pastor Lynn, I've watched when you're here and interceding. And you see that very clearly with Elijah in 1 Kings 18. The biggest problem that Elijah that could confront Minnesota or Washington D's or whatever he did with a fight, that prophet, that often was chair two. But he didn't steward, and he didn't realize that the fatigue factor of all the things he did, if you see his running program, prayer program, everything else, so his fatigue came in, and then the enemy attacked. And one little Jezebel got this mighty prophet to run for his life. And it has happened with me. I've been facing all the biggest giants, and then one small little offense brings me right into chair two. It's the small foxes that spoils the vine. Be aware of your emotional tank in this season. What is a gainer and what is a drainer? And making sure that you burn brightly without burning out. And to do that, we have to learn the hard work of rest. So that rest becomes your weapon of warfare. And out of rest, you're wearing the enemy out. And what I'm doing is I'm coming along and I would like to ask Pastor Mac and Pastor Lynn if you could come up here. And we are landing this service. Pastor Mac and Pastor Lynn. Can we just give them a great... If you wouldn't mind, uh, 
This was not planned or prepared, but I felt it in my spirit. First of all, I wanted to honor and thank you for the way that you have honored me here and allowing me to be part of the School of Radiology and uh, be part of this family. And I know for both Mama Heidi and Joseph and us. And, but I wanted to, this one has my life verse, John 17, 4, and it's about our kingdom family. And it says that I have glorified you here on earth. And I felt that was so much of your life. You're living and loving in such a way. Everything I see around here from the spirit of excellence and everything you do is bringing glory to him. But the second part I felt of this verse was a key for this season where you finished everything that he called you to do. And I just felt there's a lot of unfinished business that is still left for you to do. So to continue to stay within your lane. But I'm feeling that in this season, there's going to come so many more people that's going to help you to hold up the rod of God over your life and over your ministry. So that in the next, you're not going to have to fight all of those battles where your arms is getting tired. And I wanted to give this rod to you. And we have a traveling case. And I know when you then travel to different places, you take this apart and, and you bring that with you. And then in a moment, when you do sense a little overwhelmed, you just lay it down and you're going to pick up his. So I wanted to give that. And Mama Heidi, and would you, Joseph, kind of join me? Let us just pray for you. If you would just receive this little gift of honor here. And just maybe turn towards the audience. Just, just turn around and let them see. Before we do this also, I just felt that we have three, four minutes. Could you all of us stand to our feet? Because I feel like the first is something prophetic for all of you. I don't want to miss this, but I want you to hold out your hands, all of you as a congregation. And before we, we're going to, we're going to focus on them in just a second, but for you right now, what do you have in your hand? What is overwhelming you in this season? What are some of the heaviness or anything that any one of you are carrying? What are some of your struggles? What are some of the pressure that you're feeling in this season? What are some of the things? I want you just to, just for a few seconds here, but I want you to count to three. I'm going to count to three, but I want you to imagine. I want you to think about something. Like I have one person in my life right now. He's struggling between chair two and three, and I want him in chair one. And it just came to my spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit for you. What are you carrying? What is some other things? Some of you is finances. Some of you is health. Maybe family member. I don't know what you're carrying. But at this very moment, you're going to consecrate. I remember a few years ago at The Rock, we did this little exercise. And one lady there, a boy came into the meeting. He was addicted to methamphetamine. Mama hadn't seen him for several years. But that day she laid down the sun. And the sun came back to church, bipolar, methamphetamine, gave his life to Jesus because it was no longer her problem, it was God's problem. And she consecrated that boy and said, Papa, I give my son totally over to you. And I'm no longer, I'm going to hold up your rod of God over our family. So we're going to count to three right now and you're going to lay down yours. One, two, three. Just lay down. Just lay down. And then just for a second, just feel the peace and the presence. And I let all that go out. And all of his, his, his flow that in. His peace, his provision, his power, his promise. Let him just fill your rod with himself. Whoa. More. And then we're going to take one, two, three. I want you to pick it up right now. We're going to pick up God's rod. 
just for a second, all of us over this room, let's just hold it up for a moment because the I am that I am is in this house. I am your healer. I am your promise keeper. I am way maker. Whatever you need, I am that I am. I am your father. I'm a good father. I have not forgotten about you. So Father, all over this room, all of the people that are on the internet right now, I just release shalom, shalom. Hevenu shalom alachim. I will even encourage you for the next 30 days, find a stick, find something, broom handle, find something just to remember. It takes about 30 days to practice the rod and starts to find a way where you will then do this and you're gonna see the environment starts to change. So Father, just at this very moment, we just wanted to honor, I just wanted to honor this amazing father and mother. And just what you said, that they have been faithful, they've been faithful. And as a result, they are going to have the fullness of faith in this season. And Father, I know that they are doing God's work, God's way with God's power. But I thank you in this season that you're going to send people that's going to hold up the rod of God. I know they have hold up the rod of God. And many people in this room are not even aware of what you did when nobody saw. Even there, I just was thinking about when you laid on the airplane and the flying. People don't know the story that is behind the story, the very love. And because you laid it down, you could be entrusted with it. People don't understand what you have laid down. They don't know that what you have sacrificed. They don't know that, whoa, what you laid at the altar and why you have been entrusted. So I just want to bless you. So that in the next season, as a grandma and grandpa, this movement, for somebody that's cross-pollinating and releasing, whoa, whoa, baba. Can we just say thank you, Jesus? We worship you, Jesus. Can we give Jesus a good hand? We're just celebrating. So, are you done? Yeah, yeah. You told me. I, I don't know how to follow that. I really don't. Uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> I got the Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland. And sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.